With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to more to it, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then we journey to those deeper conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. Dad, dude. Oh, man, I'm sleepy. I ain't gonna lie to y'all right now. I uh, went this morning to drop off these itty bitties and the teachers was even looking at me like, you all right? And I was like, one kid in one arm, one kid in this arm. And I was just like, I'll stretch, man. But I'm feeling good now because it's time to do the show, man. So I'm pumped for you guys because we got a great show in store for you. But you know, we always start off with, what's up with that dude? Well, what's up with me? Um, y'all ever been in this position where y'all got something on the calendar? You got a meeting scheduled. And I had this house meeting. So because my wife's out of town doing her thing and I got the kids all solo creep, just me. Um, I'm having my meetings either when they're in school or when they go to bed, right? So 9 p.m., you can come by. We chill in the backyard, light the fire, watch some TV, light something else up, whatever you want to do. But we're going to talk through some business. Well, I had one last night at 9 o'clock, and I was like, man, I ain't going to lie. I just want to watch this game and chill. And I was just sitting there, and you know... In a meeting, there's always somebody, whether they're OCD, they're just ADD, ADHD, whatever the hell. They're the ones that says, we still on? You ever get that text right before the meeting? We still on for the meeting? And I hate sending that text because I hate to be that nerd because we already said we're going to have the meeting. We already confirmed it. Why are we going to still say we're on? And I always just laugh at that text. Well, last night, I knew I should have sent that text or I should have received it, and I didn't. So 9 o'clock came, and you know what I was thinking? I hope he don't show up. I hope he don't come. No love lost. I love the guy. I love our business that we're doing. I just was tired, boss. And then 901 hitting. 901, knowing this guy, I was like, oh, he ain't coming. And so then I should have just hit him to play it off like I was all eager for the meeting, right? Like, where you at? Instead, I was like, nah, because that might prompt him to get his butt up and get over here. So I just chilled out. Had me a nice, relaxing evening. The kids were asleep. The wife is across the world. Yo, I'm out here living right now. So that was cool. Um, the plane is stabilized, as I would say, in the household. No more turbulence. They didn't get to school 30 minutes late like they did yesterday. Um, today, they all good, on time. Everything's great. That's right. Dad, mom, I guess they call me. That's corny, too. All right. And the last thing, man. And I didn't know if this was just because I was so relaxed, so chill. I was like, am I dreaming this? 
because I was just sitting back, fire going. I was just relaxing, belly out, feeling like a big, proud papa. And I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, where Chris Paul at? And I was like, oh, damn it. Dog, Chris Paul hurt again? I mean, we got to make up another word because it's more than just redundant. It's more than just every time. And Chris the homie. But God, dog, injury prone at the wrong time. Woo! It got to be like psychosomatic. Like he got to start upstairs in his head and just go to his groin or just go to his hamstring or whatever. I mean, I really feel bad for him. Just like Kawhi, sometimes, man, you just get struck with that bad luck. All right, y'all. Well, speaking of somebody who got struck with some luck, but it was good. It's James Harden, man. Let's talk about James Harden and his sacrifice or his dilemma because we saw James Harden last night without Joel Embiid go up to Boston and win game one. Oh, he came out the gate. What did he drop? 16 in the first quarter, 45 and six for the game. And he really tried to exercise those demons because everybody knows he has been underwhelming more times than not in the playoffs based on his standard, based on our expectations. So yesterday he tried to right his wrongs. He went out there and was Vince's James Harden. Got me thinking like, damn, how long does it take for you to rewrite your own history? It ain't going to be as long as it took to get it because if he goes out there right now, imagine James Harden because of Joel Embiid's injuries and he's going to come back, but maybe he doesn't come back as soon as he hopes. And James Harden leads this team. James Harden goes back into his bag and starts doing what James Harden does. What happens then? Does he get to rewrite his history? What if they win a championship? Now, James Harden, finally a champion, despite all of those underwhelming performances. What y'all think about it then? So is there any way for him to salvage that reputation? That's my real question for you guys in those comments. But beyond that, we saw James Harden also speak on how he was feeling. So here's a quote from James Harden because all this talk right now got James Harden sitting there like, yo, don't act like this is all on me. Some of this is on y'all. Quote, throughout the entire year, people expect me to be the scoring James Harden and the James Harden that goes out there and gets 40, 50 points. Somewhere between this beard and that forest, you can see his lips moving. And then people talk, oh, you can't win like that. And then I'll go out there and get 20 points and 11 assists. And it's like, well, he's not the old James Harden no more. Y'all catch that? Basically, he's saying, man, what is the old saying? I can't win for losing. And I never understood it, but I know what it means. It basically means ain't no way to do this the right way, according to y'all, because y'all damn critics always criticizing. So when he goes out there, gives you 40 and 50, but y'all don't win. He has never won a championship. Ah, ah, you just over there getting empty calorie stats. That's all you trying to do. Fill up the stat sheet. You ain't caring about winning. Okay. Here's a 20 and 11 for you. And Joel Embiid, go out there and win the MVP as we presume he will this year, right? Oh, man, that ain't nothing. James Harden them fell off. All he got is 20 points left in him. He like, dog, which way y'all want it? So last night, he got the best of both worlds. 45 and the W. Let's see if that carries on and gets him the dub for this series. Now, all that said, James Harden is still James Harden. We saw that on the court, and we saw that leading into the game off the court, as he must have took one of his G5s and G6s from New York to Boston, because this dude was dressed 
like confunction, uh, yeah, earth, wind, and fire, and something else. I don't know another damn element out there. Y'all see what James Harden is wearing? See, that's when you know you got money. You wear this because this ain't like necessarily rich person gear. What's rich about it is he could never wear that again. <laughs> and that's rich. That means you got a closet full of one times. You can't wear that. You imagine if somebody was walking around with those bell bottoms and I don't know what kind of what velour and stuff and then just crazy logos and emblems and then okay you wear it because I know how I dress I dress simple or I dress bad and I don't give a damn but I can wear it like three times a week like I could put well not this shirt this ain't good this is too bright damn it bad time but most of my stuff I wear it all the damn time I go to school the, the parents don't look at me twice because guess what I'm understated, but James Harden, man, his game yesterday was not understated. That outfit wasn't understated and good for James Harden. Now y'all figure out where y'all at with James Harden. Y'all love him or y'all love to hate him. It's your boy, Marcel Swally, thanking you for your viewership on Brinks TV and your membership on YouTube, Wiley's World. Yes, I'm looking forward to us. We're going to have a live show with the members as co-hosts of this show. So get your membership now so you can be one of those people that gets yelled at. Because uh, when I see somebody else, all of a sudden all this niceness goes away. It's time to win a damn argument. Time to win a debate. Look forward to that. But let's talk about Mel Kuyper Jr., who won over my heart. Yes, he did in 1997. But there are talks from executives that say that Mel Kuyper Jr. should be an NFL Hall of Famer. Wow. I ain't expect to read that article today, but they have some substance to this conversation. Let's discuss this. They're talking about the impact that Mel Kuyper Jr. has had on the NFL draft in particular and how much it's grown over the 40 years since he was a part of it and they've been covering it, right? So Mel Kuyper started in 1984. Most of y'all weren't even born. 1984, shoot, I'm 10 years old. I'm pushing huffies. I'm, out, I'm on the block. I'm on Slauson hitting it like this on my huffy. So I'm alive and knowing of a Mel Kuyper Jr. at that time. He was 23 years young, and he started doing the draft. Big believer in the fact that the draft could become a spectacle. Because y'all remember back in the days, the draft was some smoke-filled rooms, some fat guys talking about, hey, call up FedEx. Tell Fred we're drafting him. He could quit that job for now. But in the summer, he has to go back because they had two jobs back then, right? That's how the draft was. You just didn't even see the players. Cats were just out there chilling, hanging with their family, and they were like, oh, yeah, super small shorts. Oh, yeah, I'm going to play for the Rams this year. Look forward to it. Like It was just dusty. And then Mel Kuyper came in, and you can say coincidentally, or you can say because of him, all of a sudden this thing started to have some legs. And we saw it become, right before our very eyes, what it is today, which is now 300,000 people show up in Kansas City for the draft. Everyone got to rep their fan base. And more importantly, millions and millions of people, 12 million in total, watched the NFL draft. So ESPN's VP of production, Seth Markman, who gave me my job when I was at the NFL Live on ESPN, hilarious dude great guy says this quote there is no NFL draft on TV without Mel Kuyper he's an institution I think he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for what he's accomplished and what he's brought to this TV event 
He ain't lying there. <laughs> Mel Kuyper is an institution. I remember when Mel Kuyper first discovered me at Columbia, and I ain't gonna lie, it was beyond flattering. I mean, I knew what Mel Kuyper's voice and megaphone could do for my career. But beyond that, it was damn Mel Kuyper. Like, you couldn't look up any higher than Mel Kuyper. I don't know if Todd McShay was doing it back then, but Todd McShay was not in the conversation in 1997. It was the institution of Mel Kuyper. Now, speaking of Todd McShay, who I love as well, agrees with this on Twitter. He says it's a no-brainer in terms of Mel Kuyper Jr. being in the Hall of Fame. Now, what I love about Mel Kuyper Jr., on top of the fact that he just made his way, doing it his way, is because that's his passion. You could tell, right or wrong, and he's been wrong a ton, a ton including thinking I was a first-round 15th overall pick. That was kind of wrong. You know, I would some team would be like, dog, took him a while to get to become who Marcellus became, right? So glad I didn't have those first-round expectations. Casper would have been calling me a bust my first year when I had zero sacks. Hello. Um, so Mel Kuyper's not always right. And there are YouTube videos after YouTube videos of showing all the times he was wrong. I think he was even wrong on Patrick Mahomes, which is a bad miss. But we've all been there before. The thing about it is, is that this is his greatest passion and he's had tremendous impact. So how can Mel Kuyper Jr. get into the Hall of Fame? Hmm. One route is for Mel Kuyper Jr. to take the Ralph Hay Pioneer Award. Y'all know that award because you know who's won that award. We have seen Steve Sable win that award. Y'all know who he is, NFL Films co-founder. Art McNally and Marion Motley and Bill Willis. They integrated the NFL. So, hell yeah, you're going to get into the NFL. Who brought all these black people to play? Oh, yeah, you're going to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Imagine the NFL was still all white. Godly. Ooh, and then they had a, like a, a black league over there, Negro league over there. Godly. Like, I could. Whoa, we are blessed, y'all. Just think about it if you had to grow up and that's how you had to watch football. I'm watching not AFC and NFC or AFL, NFL, black and white like the TVs were insane. So yes, Mel Kuyper's had tremendous impact. That's one way to get up in there. And that award is given to those who make significant and innovative contributions to the sport. Ah, you know how Yao Ming is in the NBA Hall of Fame and it ain't because of how good he was on the court. It's because of his contributions to globalizing the game. Well, Mel Kuyper has certainly done that in terms of bringing another level of enhancement to the NFL draft. Just imagine if Mel Kuyper wasn't sitting there. 1978, he said it came to him, his passion. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that all these prospects get illuminated, and then all of a sudden we have this huge platform for them to transition to the pros. In 1978, no one was thinking like that. Now you look back from 2023, you're like, I couldn't imagine the NFL without their hello welcoming ceremony, which is that NFL draft. So you got my vote, not only just because you have made that impact, because you even found diamonds in the rough like myself. Watching the NFL draft in 1997, hearing Mel Kuyper talk about you, and then seeing that shark fin, whatever the hell he got going on up there, still as crispy as it is then, as it is today, unreal, man. Salute to Mel Kuyper Jr. Even if he doesn't get in, we all know he has made one hell of a mark. Loving life, but I know somebody who's not loving life. Her name is Deanna 
Hendrix. Mm. Your mama did you wrong from hello. Deanna. Woo. That sounds like one of those combo names because I used to meet cats like that. And you hear some crazy name like Corandon. You're like, what the hell is going on? You're like, oh, no. My brother was Corby and then my middle name is Van and then my dad's last name is Drake. And he was just in. So Corandon. I was like, oh, God. All right, Deanna. Deanna. Soon you were born and your mama named you Deanna. This moment was going to come to life. And this is it. All right. Miami of Ohio women's basketball coach Deanna Hendricks stepped down on Wednesday. Her decision to resign comes after text messages. Damn, y'all lazy. People are you're going to do bad and you're going to also keep record of it. Ah, I'm guilty as well. But damn, we lazy when we do bad. Resigns after text messages show the coach was in an inappropriate relationship with one of her players. <laughs> Big Moji. Let's stop down right there. Women's head coach in college messing with, obviously, one of the players that's a woman. Huh. Now we're in unique place right here. We're in somewhere different. Shortly after the university's athletic department reportedly learned about 100 and 80 text messages during an 11-day span. <laughs> 180 and 11 days? Woo, you were thirsty. That power forward had power. Uh, Hendricks was suspended for an alleged inappropriate relationship between her and the player. At least 30 of the messages contained wording considered intimate. So not only is she crossing the line, and she's crossing two lines because one, you're not supposed to mess with a student, but two, the second line is you're messing with a player that is on your team that you got power over. So this ain't just, oh, I love you and you love me. Okay, we cool. You got power in this relationship. You can make her run extra laps for no reason just because she didn't respond to one of them 180 damn text messages you were sending with your thirsty ass. So hilarious that this is happening. Now, we're not done with this story before we really dig into it. It was determined that the matter did not constitute a violation of Title IX or the university's sexual misconduct protocol. I need to read through Title IX again. <laughs> How long is Title IX? This ain't a violation. I guess you're just like, look, we're here to promote and prop up women's sports, even if they messing with each other. I'm like, what? Okay. And the university's sexual misconduct protocol. This ain't sexual misconduct that you are messing with a player that you have authority, authority over. Got to read through that policy as well. All right. The review did show that the university has significant cause to move forward with the termination of Hendricks employment. There we go. Due to violation of a policy that prohibits staff members from pursuing and engaging in consensual, intimate relationship with undergrad students. Thank you. Even if the student wants to, you got to be the bigger Person. You got to be the adult in the room and say, nah, girl, got to holler at you when you graduate. Okay, so she resigned instead of getting fired. We know how that goes. It looks better on the resume. She thanked the university and said she's still rooting for the team. I don't think they're going to thank her back because her record was 35 and 80 in four seasons. So she out there macking way better and harder than she coaching. 35 and 80 in four years? What's that, 9 and 20 every year? Oh, and all the messages. I wonder why the game plan sucked. It sucked because you were over there texting your players. Anyway, all right, let's get into this. Because there's something here between women's basketball and their reputation and reality. We have all heard it. We have heard players talk about it where a heterosexual player 
is ostracized playing women's basketball in particular. Countless players have come out and said it. From afar, the culture says that. And it's interesting that this just reinforces that with violation. So that really does something to the culture and shows you how pervasive it must be in that respect. Now, you flip it, you don't hear about this. And I would love for you guys to give me some examples if there is. Because playing male sports my entire life, I've never heard of a coach messing with a player. Two reasons. One, I've just never heard of it and seen it. Like, no dude is messing with one of the players. Like, I've never heard of a woman messing with one of their players either until this story. But two, we do know, once again in culture, that in men's sports, she... <laughs> Nobody is raising their hand, but now we got one outwardly to say that they're gay, right? Well, we got one player from the Raiders. That's it. And in the entire history of male sports, I think we have one active player saying that they're gay. Give me more guys. But in my sports, in my lens, that's all I've seen. And I actually played with a gay player. His name was Ezra Tawala. And we played together in Buffalo and he was a Minnesota Viking before and didn't come out the closet into his retirement. Once again, reinforcing that stereotype about the culture. Now, that's one part of this, which obviously reputation and what the culture looks like versus what it is. We need to dive into that. We need to get into that a little more so because I have daughters. And one of my daughters is going to be gigantic. I don't know how big. She might be 6'13". I mean, she's just gigantic. And she might want to play basketball with her big butt. And I want her to play. But I also don't want her to feel ostracized if she is going to be out there trying to ball and nothing else. Certainly don't want coaches trying to mack her out too. So we got to make sure we have conversations about this. But this conversation is not being held on the mainstream media networks. You imagine... If a male coach had messed with a male player, you think you would have heard of that? Hell yeah. But we ain't hearing about this one. Wonder why? Because there are narratives out there that we got to satisfy, right? This doesn't just sound right, right? You don't want to pick on the women or you don't want to talk about this in that respect. And I'm like, well, on Never Shut Up, we always talk about it because we either going to learn or unlearn. So it's interesting the cultural dynamics and how they're playing out in this story. No mixed situations in men. Like no man. Give me some examples, y'all. Please. Men messing with a man player. Because I just seen the first one, the pioneer. Deanna done started something here. And I wonder how pervasive it is as we finally start to understand a little bit more the dynamics of that culture. So Shaky situation. I don't know if she's going to land on her feet or land on her back. That was wrong. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out for Deanna, but that is a situation. Hopefully, that was just a one-off. Where the referees at, y'all? Where they at, yo? Where they at? Because we got a shortage of referees in youth sports across America. And I don't wonder why, but let's talk about this story. Since 2018, roughly 50,000 High school referees, 50,000 umpires have quit. That's over 20% of the nation's total. Now, that's resulted in cancellation of not only games, but leagues entirely canceled. What's the cause of this shortage? We're going to discuss that. Well, we know it starts with a toxic environment, right? 
that parents, coaches, and players have created. Yes, this generation of athlete and the context and the circumstances around how much money these athletes are making, how much attention they're garnering is now changed how we even consume the sports, how we even go to the games and how we act. Referees are constantly being yelled at, cursed at, have slurs hurled at them, and in some cases have even been physically assaulted. Y'all got y'all cameras in your hands. And that is a movie camera, which allows people to go out there and act like they are on stage and do too damn much. Excuse me, do three much as I see it when I go to games as well. All right. So let's talk about in Kansas where they passed the bill, making it a crime to abuse a referee. Yes, it's gotten that far out of control. Provides an extra level of protection for sports officials at all levels. Bumping any physical assault, spitting. God dog, you spit on me. Game over. Unnecessary roughness. Oh, the ref gonna win this one. You spit on me if I'm a ref, it will never end for you. Menacing, threatening, abusive language. It's a class B misdemeanor. They took it to that level. Now that level of crime, you can get up to a thousand dollars in the fine, twenty-five hundred and a year in jail or both. They trying to get you out there. Let's talk about one place where they have a unique rule to handle unruly parents. You imagine this, if you fight with the umps during a game, you have to volunteer your time to umpire three games before you're allowed back as a spectator or else stay your ass at home. <laughs> That'll make you shut your mouth, right? You gotta go out there and volunteer your time, even though you should be doing that in the first place. And the main purpose of that is not for them to call a baseball game, not trying to see if you're trying to get another job, it's for them to see what's going on out there and that it is not that easy being an umpire. So show some respect. Okay. Now let's talk about the toxic environment because I'm a coach and literally, literally I show up this weekend for our game that we had on Sunday. Now we have pictures and our pictures are supposed to start at 915. I'm a veteran coach now. I have been there way too long and they never start those pictures on time. So I was coming late on purpose and people were there coming late as expected. But by coming late, I missed something. I missed the fact that two coaches had just had a fight. I thought I ain't here. I was like two coaches of seven year old football had a fight and they were like, yeah, dog, they were going at it <clears throat> now. That didn't surprise me even though it did catch me off guard because I've been in situations before where the opposing coach is just doing three much. I had to tell another coach last week during basketball, during the game, he's over there yelling and pulling his hair back, doing the Pat Riley and just, and I'm like, dog, he's complaining because they're not calling traveling every time. And the ref has already told you, I'm not calling it every time. I'm calling it based on, I think, the talent level of the kid. So if the kid can't dribble, I will call travel. But half these kids can't dribble, so I'm not calling travel, even if that kid gets an advantage. That's kind of how you play youth sports, right? We're all in this together. But he just kept snapping because he was like, call every play. And I finally told him, I said, hey, bro, I said, you know that complaining is contagious? And you're going to wonder why your son is complaining. And then literally as I'm speaking, guess who was complaining on the court? His son crying, etc. for no reason other than he's being taught that way. I said, when it comes back to bite you, cause his son is a beast. 
His son could play. I said, when it comes back to bite you, you're going to know why. And no, stop complaining, dog. Anyway, it's just that type of environment. I put out that fire, but cooler heads don't always prevail. I've seen it. I had to have someone on our team before because it came to my attention. Three different parents came to me and said, there's a lady on your team who was complaining in the stands so much that we can't enjoy the game. I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, because her son is not playing the whole game. I was like, well, nobody's son playing the whole game unless it's MJ. I mean, the rest of y'all sons get in where they fit in. It's called football. But long story short, the commissioner found out and then he was like, I have to pull her from your team. Why? Because she's making it a toxic environment. She doesn't like how you're doing it. Go somewhere else where you like it. Maybe that will make you happy. I don't know. And that's crazy, right? And this is seven-year-old football. And it's not even tackle. It's flag. So I can't imagine when they go into tackle. But I have gone to a few games. And I do sit up there. And I had traveled that journey. I had traveled that marathon. I know what this role looks like. I know what it looks like when your son looks like he's a beast at a young age. I was that beast. And everyone starts looking at you not as a person as much, but as a commodity, right? You get more popular. I was not a talkative young kid. But boy, I couldn't go anywhere without somebody talking to me. Chili cheese, Fritos, had my tiki punch, sitting there eating. Somebody walking up to me, talking to me about football. All the way to high school coaches trying to recruit me. And I know what that looks like, especially when you start talking about kids who don't have much, who don't come from means. Their parents are looking at them like a lotto ticket. And when you're looking at something like a lotto ticket, you guard it with your whole might, your whole body and soul. Problem is, now you don't have the same respect for other people out there who are just trying to come out there and let little Johnny run around. Little Johnny's not a lotto ticket. Little Johnny has two left feet. Little Johnny just likes playing. So it's crazy because a couple bad apples always spoils it for the bunch. So we know the environment is crazy. I mean, look, Aqib Tlaib got into it and his brother had shot some uh, father and killed him at a game. That's a coach on coach. Y'all remember that story? That pulled my heart and shredded it in terms of, wow, it's that damn crazy out there. And I don't want to hear this whole was competitive and you get lost in it. No, you don't get lost in it if you're a coach. No, you don't get lost in it if you're a parent. You know why? Because you had your chance. I had my chance. I had my turn. I had my run. But a lot of times I'm watching people who are looking around and those people are living out unfulfilled dreams. Didn't make it, did you? Mm-hmm. Stopped short for whatever reason. You weren't talented enough. You weren't focused enough. You weren't lucky enough. It just didn't happen for you. So your unfulfilled dreams, all of a sudden, you got some frustration. And as soon as something happens out there, you want to act like the big man on campus, like you got all the answers. Man, that is not sports, and that's not how you coach. Or you see some people out there who they're just frankly just looking at, picking out who they think's going to make it, and they're going to make sure that that kid is protected at all costs and don't give a damn about developing the rest of the kids or the other team or sportsmanship. It's a sad state of affairs, y'all, because my heart is into this. Not just because my kids are out there, but my foundation, Project Transition, we have a sports academy where we work with the kids directly, and I am about that programming. Not just how good your kids are, but how well they play. 
There's a huge difference. And that incorporates discipline, sportsmanship, focus, effort, desire, etc. We got to do better, y'all, because y'all making this environment so bad that sooner or later, no one's going to be out there to even call the damn games for you. What you going to do now? You're not going to have a referee to settle the score. So you better watch yourself for there's nothing else for us to watch. All right, y'all. Y'all know how we finish every show. We end it with a one Yeah. <laughs> that was a bad one. Don't let life get in the way of living. Yes. Don't let life get in the way of living. <laughs> Some of these Wileyisms just different levels, right? You know what I mean? They're stars, they're superstars. Then there's like LeBron and Steph and those kind of cats, like next level elite. I love the fact that this Wileyism hits everybody in the same place. Don't let life get in the way of living. Like task oriented, right? Gotta make money. Gotta get a job. Gotta do this. Gotta take care of the family. Like you do all these things to make sure you're in a good place, but then you don't live well enough. You don't live good enough. You don't live out what you set up. You set up this entire life. Then you look up, you're 80 years old and then live none of it. <laughs> you imagine? I got caught in that loop before like, oh yeah, as soon as I do that and as soon as I do that and as soon as I do that, oh yeah, I'm going to be good. Then I'm going to relax and just chill and just do it. Then you look up, all you're doing is adding more to the list of the things you got to do so that you can finally do what you want to do, which is enjoy it all, right? So don't let your task list get out of control and don't set up your life and not live your life, right? Do not let life get in the way of living. Live through these experiences. And I, look, I am preaching to the choir, I'm hoping, because I know a lot of you guys already know this, but we all fall victim to it. I owe my daddy 20 phone calls right now and 30 times we need to hang because he is 76 years old. And frankly, we need to get all the time in we can. And I always don't because I'm always doing things to get my life in order and make sure that this project is working. The foundation is working. This is working. The shows are working. These relationships are great. Better not let this life get in the way of living. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Y'all want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcel Swiley. More to it is a production. Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcel Swally, Paul Anderson, and Nick Pinella. Marcel Swally, that dude. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks for all the love. Subscriptions, five-star ratings, reviews, membership program, MarcelSwally.com, ProjectTransition.org. You guys are all in with me. That dudes, dudes, and that dudes, divas. I am working this because it's funny. We got that new show coming where y'all gonna be on the show. It's y'all show, members show. So what y'all want to do? Let's do it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it coming. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to y'all hella soon. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.